Luke. Welcome back. Welcome, Welcome back, Luke. Back, Thanks for Luke. Us. Hey, it's, it's good to changed. be back. Lots changed since oh, the last time we saw changed. you. This hey? guy's on fire, bro. What's going on? Is it the tie? Is it all the tie? You went from like 2,000 subs to like 2 billion subs in like one video. He's dropping the facts. He is people want to hitting facts. Oh, and scaring the shit out of people too in the process, right? But he's right. He's right. I went back. I went back to our last episode. There's a, few, and I was like, there's a few good points. Yeah, there's a few good points in there that all definitely rang true. This guy's on. So what's new, Luke? What's what's? Thanks for joining us. I know it's yeah. uh, you know a challenge to get on these podcasts and coordinate our schedules. So we appreciate that. Uh, anybody who's seen you on our channel for the first time, Luke's from Market Mania Canada. He's got a great uh, great channel to go check out. A lot of good information. He's a regular uh, content creator, and um, you can follow him on Twitter and, and his YouTube channel and everything else too as well. Uh, so we had him on the show before March. Yeah, check it out. Twenty two. Uh, sort of right after the, the first. Changes. Right after the first rate hike, which was just great. I mean, if you go back and watch, I watched it this morning. The conversation was was fantastic. I think, at least I yeah. thought so. So, so what's <laughs> happened since it. then, Luke? What's 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 happened since then? What has we oh, happened since then? What kind of a question is that? <laughs> you know, guys, even I couldn't have envisioned what has happened over the past sort of six, eight months since we spoke last. I mean. I would have never thought the Bank of Canada would have got rates to where they've got them today. This quickly. Um, Holy Jesus. I know, yeah. But What's why? Happened in... Why? Why was it necessary <laughs> is the question. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of debate around whether it was necessary or not. I think really their main intention, even though they don't want to put it out there, is that they want to cause a recession because that, is what is going to destroy demand and bring down inflation really quickly. But they can't obviously come out and say this to the general public because the general public would go insane. They would be like, no, you can't do this. Even though what the general public doesn't realize is essentially it would happen either way. Like inflation would take us there or the rate hikes. It's just a quicker way of getting there to that recession. Yeah, which one causes more damage? Yeah, is which the one way is that they're less painful? Which, which one's one, less painful? Which one right? feels better? This one is a short-term yeah. pain, but there's like a long-term gain is by getting short-term? inflation under control. Is it short-term? Yeah. Is this the consensus of, of everybody here today? I don't <laughs> well, think Well, whether so. two or three years is short-term or not, or whatever the thing is, but inflation getting out of control, it could be like a 20, 30-year um, you know, issue or you, you know, you have growth, you've got jobs, you've got immigration, you got birth rates, you got all sorts of stuff that sure. get affected by that. Luke's new video today. I'm partway through. I didn't get a chance to finish it because we have to record <laughs> this, this thing, but like, uh, if it goes depression, if it gets worse, which Luke was kind of intimating in his video, like that could be a pretty long drawn out process as well. So which way do we want to go with the conversation today? Is it going, uh, because what what we definitely what I can see in your last video is the the frustration with 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 I think how like things should or could go versus how they are going right and and mm-hmm. how they just when it's like okay finally maybe they're gonna let this thing work itself out uh, all of a sudden they're like flooding it with billions of dollars for whatever like name name your your reason right. Whatever yeah. reason they can come up with and pass through law, right? 
They just, yes. uh, right. So how do we, how do we navigate this environment? Because I mean, even the most brilliant minds are completely perplexed right now. Like you can't, you can't foresee a Suez Canal on top of a pandemic supply chain issue, right on top of a war supply chain issue on top of who knows who blew up the uh, gas pipeline. Like this is yeah. all major crazy stuff on top of, you know, coming out of the financial crisis and whatever the hell else we've dealt with along the way. Right. So, like, yeah, well, I think a lot of the recovery from the pandemic, I mean, that was artificial. And that's what a lot of people don't really understand is if you look at the pandemic and how many just think logically about it, that how many businesses and restaurants went bust during that time. And then essentially, the government just came in and artificially stimulated the economy with or flooded the markets with all this money, especially businesses in the form of the wage subsidy. I mean, those grants that businesses got were absolutely huge in some cases. And nearly every company, even big companies like Bell, you name it, they all got some portion of these loans. Well, they weren't even loans, I don't think. But the thing is, it's just absolutely insane what's happened. Because of that, you've kind of got all these businesses that took on people, and it's all artificial. It's not really real. And now the the money, like the free money that has lasted for literally only a couple of years, which is insane when you think of the amount of money that was actually created um it's already running out and you're starting to see unemployment rise in certain sectors and you know even like canada has so many natural resources and really those natural resources are in high demand right now and we have a government that doesn't want to do anything about it and, you know, even if and, and there's no quick fix to that, I don't want to make any impression that there's some sort of quick fix to that, that they can just, you know, start because we need pipelines, refineries, all these different things to get our to export our natural resources here in Canada. And but they're not even starting that process. And even when you look at like Keystone being canceled and all these other different things, it's just like that they're sort of cutting their feet off before starting a marathon. Like it makes no sense. So nothing makes I... sense. This is the thing, right? Nothing is making sense. So we hear the rhetoric, we hear the words, but we see the action. So like, what the hell is the actual, tar like, what's the goal? TK, what's the goal, man? You're on mute, but like, what's the goal from the, from the TK perspective? It's... Oh, sorry. I had to clear my throat there. But um, no, like Luke, I mean, we, we got you here. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like our show, we're just trying to hear different opinions. We've had some guests on recently and everyone's kind of got their own take. The one thing that I like the most about you, Luke, is that you you, you take it very seriously. And if you watch Luke's channel, you'll see like he, he really dives into it all. You know, some things you might agree with, some things you don't. And that's OK. But How the bottom line is I respect anybody who's going to go out there and say, you know, I'm going to, you know, really research something as much as I can and try to dive into these topics. And there's obviously people who are want to, who want to hear that stuff from you. That's why, um, you know, you're getting the amount of views and, and the traffic and everything else too. What do you, what do you hope would happen? Like, what would you hope that happens from the way this, like, are you hoping that we do get that end result, which is that, you know, Canada ends up suffering where we have, 
you know, the, the chickens come home to roost or whatever they say, Good you know, question, where yeah. all these, all these problems that we've been putting ourselves, we've been putting ourselves in over the last 20 years, as far as, you know, consumer debt, household spending, government debts, uh, the natural resource issue that we haven't been, you know, um, exporting as much as, as we can. Like, what would you hope that happens? Um, the, the final result of all this? Yeah, I mean, both like there's either you can kick the can as far as you can possibly kick it, but then it just gets bigger and you just get a bigger and bigger bubble, which causes more pain in the future. Or you just take it right now, which allows you to get through it however long this takes, be it five, 10 years, and then start a recovery from that and build an economy maybe around the natural resources and everything that the world needs. Um, a better economy than we have right now. I mean, I saw Bloomberg release like statistics that the Canadian economy is 40% dependent on real estate. That is just 40 absolutely now? insane. <laughs> Yeah. 40? Yeah. How did it get to 40 it's, now? Wasn't it I like, like 19 <laughs> or 23, like a few the months The GDP, ago? I think, is, is different than based on, you know, what they're saying dependent, right? Because I think that there's mm -hmm. residential investment in real estate's like a 15% or something like that. Like it's not as high as 40, but I'm sure Bloomberg's been able to sort of extrapolate different industries as how they depend on real estate and, and everything else, right? So um well, yeah, so you're, you're yeah. what, what I just heard the... there, just want to clarify what I heard what I heard there. And there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not trying to say good or bad a reset, like going and putting all of the assets that are in a bubble right now down to the fundamentals Cleansing. where they should be getting our economy back on track, building from, you know, a, a place that makes sense that the textbooks and that anybody who's been following markets for a hundred years would say is the, um, the mean average that we, we always seem to return to one way or another, getting Canada to that point as fast as possible is going to benefit us long-term because we're going to build off that, uh, criteria for a healthy, sustainable economy that we'll be able to enjoy for much longer. And if that doesn't happen, this bubble that my whole life we've been in is going to be carried on further and further and further, and it's just going to get worse, which eventually what needs to happen will happen. Yeah. And I think we're kind of at that point now where it's just got so large, it becomes unsustainable because you have people like even their interest payments on the amount of debt they have is just so high that it takes one single bad thing to happen, like a loss of not even their entire income, just a loss of part of their income. And it's over for them. Like they then they're then defaulting. So I think we're kind of we've kind of got to that point through the mania. And if you look at any sort of bubble cycle, you have that blow off top. And I really think that was 2020 and 2021, where we saw that because and again, we talked about it in the previous video, which I thought was really good, was just this blind acceptance over the past year in 2020, well, 2021 now, when we were talking about it, but this blind acceptance that real estate would just only go up. And, you know, all these narratives that were built around it, and don't get me wrong, like, narratives like immigration certainly have a, a slight impact but it's not the main impact the main impact has really been that speculative portion and uh, one thing since I really since we last spoke which I've really been researching into and I think is just I mean it's it's not good at all is the Airbnb component 
Um, so you know, I mean, it's not good. Which part's good? (laughs) Where's the good part? What part is good? Yeah, tell us. Tell us some good news that you have. Well, I this is the thing, (laughs) right? Like you have all these people that don't want to accept this scenario that are trying their best to push the rock up the hill still, right? Because who the hell Mm. wants to accept that scenario for 10, 15 years to really reset this thing, right? Mm. Who the hell even wants to go through a mild reset, for God's sakes, right? And and so, but the politicians, I think, are included in that bunch, right? And same with the bankers. (laughs) So what, so, so, but this is my question. What is different now? I know that the amount of money went up like crazy amounts, but what everybody did it simultaneously. So what's different now um, than the last time or the the time before that or the time before that or the time before that? Why is this one the one that just knocks everything back by into an actual depression? It's because this is the everything bubble. Everything went into a bubble, literally Mm. everything. And that's the major problem. You got private sector debt, household sector mm-hmm. debt. That you, you had crypto markets. You had Crypto's just everything gone, though, you can it? imagine. Isn't yeah, crypto yeah. blown off all the face is. of the earth now. Uh, oh, you had all these. <laughs> God, I sold out of that shit. Holy, Holy smokes! Oh, I got sucked yeah. into that for a little while. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. So, no, but didn't we so like you, a lot of that extra money? Didn't it kind of really, honestly, get sucked out in this whole crypto debacle? Like we we, we had a no. video where where Bitcoin was at like sixty nine thousand, and a guy was offering mortgages uh, secured against your Bitcoin, and we were talking about you know what happens if it halves, which at that point was like thirty five thousand, and it's at like what sixteen now? Yeah, nineteen, like. Holy cow. And, and what's weird is that we don't really, do we feel the pain right now? Like there no, should be way more pain, shouldn't yeah. there? It's like a it's like that sort of calm before the storm type. Because because you 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 know everything's gonna go bad. I mean, one thing I get a high degree of confidence through is the yield curve. You know, if if people are prepared to accept rates, interest rates on the longer end at lower rates and i'm talking about government treasury so essentially bank of canada bonds not bank of canada government of canada bonds so if you look out onto the yield curve like a 30 year so if you buy government debt and you essentially get paid a rate over 30 years and that annualized rate is something around i think last time i checked it was something three three point one percent and the overnight rate is at 3.5, 3.75, whatever it is now. So, I mean, it's hugely inverted. Like you would expect to be paid more to take on that extra risk of carrying that. But essentially, the bond market is telling us and it's highly predictive. I mean, I mentioned this on a couple of streams I did recently where I actually show people the chart of times where it's inverted. And when you look at that chart, We haven't seen an inversion this major since around 1987. And 1987 was when like half of all financial institution bankruptcies that have happened in Canada happened between 1987 and 1996. So it's that doesn't kind of bode well with what's happening here. It means that big money, major money is hedging for a massive financial crisis. 
and that is not good um and and yeah like i said the probability of that happening could it could it still be highly inverted and not happen yes it could but what are the chances of that like 10 percent? so it's uh and especially the one, the one difference <clears throat> on the opposite side of that is like I, I i listen to a lot of the smart people and i and i watch their videos and i hear their interviews and i go all that and you literally can get opposite advice from every single one of them i feel like mm -hmm. I don't think there's as much smart money out there right now as there has been in the past, right? I think mm -hmm. over the years, smart smart money ends up being in hindsight and people look back and they go, smart money. But I think right now, just because of all these variables and all the different things, like even when the yield curve uh, inverted back in 2020, it was like, oh my God. And then of course it went the opposite direction, right? And everybody was really concerned about that. Um, yeah. And then yeah. in, the, in the Great Depression era, like you can go back and you can see like bull runs throughout Yet, you know, my limited understanding of it was just like, it's this whole decade of depression where everyone's, you know, sharing a tin can of beans and stuff like that, right? Riding on the railroad, trying to go find another job, right? Like, we, so again, in hindsight, you always go back and you say like, this is how it was, but you experience all these different little parts to it, all these little sort of small stories in between. And, you know, it's hard to tell where we are right now, right? It's really, it's really, it's impossible to tell where we are right now. Yeah. And to pick up on what you said, I think you made a good point there, um, because the thing is, we don't know the response, right? So the yield curve, like you said, did invert in 2019 before 2020. Uh, so it showed us that something bad was going to happen. Mind you, it was not as inverted it is, as it is now. Like that is a totally different story. If you look at the chart, it's insane. But the thing is, that did tell us that something bad was coming. But what it didn't tell us was the government's response to that. And they really only got away with that because inflation was much lower. Would they be able to do the same right now? I don't think so. Will there be some sort of bailout and stuff and stimulus packages? Probably. Almost I would guess so. <clears throat> but yeah, you're yeah, you're banks, airlines, somebody's going to be getting a bailout package yeah, at some like, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to need and, railroads and bridges and tanks and lots of planes soon. Yeah, <laughs> so know. that so that'll come. And it's just a question of how much and how much effect that will really have. And I think right now it's just kind of insane when you look at how high interest rates have really gone, especially on like corporate debt in the past six, 12 months since we so spoke. Crazy. It's It's unbelievable because you think about like all businesses are paying that. And if you look at how much debt businesses have took on in Canada between 2008 and now, it is an insane amount. So that pain is going to be felt sooner or later. And we're, And like I said, we're kind of in that calm before the storm right now where unemployment, because that always lags behind is low relatively speaking even though we're starting to see those headline layoffs in places like amazon amazon mm -hmm. i mean amazon everybody uses amazon amazon is a big company this should be like where people think hmm, going into amazon christmas time people. going into christmas season exactly exactly yeah. so that sure. shows you and even jeff bezos recently came out in an interview and said hey don't buy a TV That's and all crazy, this stuff yeah. you don't need. That's yeah. what he sells. That I is know. literally he had his girlfriend on his side. I think he was, I think he was like, I better tell the truth in this interview. She's gonna think I'm a real <laughs> jerk. 
Why you know, do you think that guy so, retired like you know a couple I mean? like, years oh, ago? I better right? tell them the truth. The numbers are showing us people are not spending their money anymore. Something's coming. He would know, right? Like what a mm-hmm. what a, a a barometer that guy would have on but, the economy. Based but also on like the but the most inflated perspective in the whole thing, I think, right? Like his company exploded artificially. Like, yeah. fine, great company, great system, somehow managed to meet this increase in demand, which is unbelievable, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all fake demand, right? Now, now what happens? Does all that market share stay with them and stop going into bricks and mortar? Like, there are so many things going on in the markets and then in the economy right now that it's like, how do you predict this? But, okay, let's go back to wages for, for a second and our conversation last year or, or eight months ago where wages are just obviously not keeping pace with the price growth of anything right mm-hmm. and, and and how now the answer to getting things in line is to kill the demand and to kill the wage growth which never even happened right like they want to mm-hmm. ki- yeah i don't understand how this is the answer to the problem like people want housing they want to be able to afford housing they need housing they need a place to live regardless of like how much they make when they come here or what their skill level is like these are necessities and we're not like lined up for this right so what's going to happen i i, I just I, there's so many weird pressures up and down i i can't figure out what's going on and then we have the the bank of canada with their foot on the pedal or they they have a little switch but like there's nothing mm-hmm. in between up and down or on and off it's like why don't we yeah. ease into this thing a little bit like so so for example we did this whole stress test to stress test people so that when rates went up a certain amount everybody had a a, a layer of protection and everybody was okay but they fucking blew the rates like way past all of these stress tests right what the hell's yeah. the point of this right what is the point of this madness well they just don't allow the markets to work and i think that's the problem i mean if i was like <laughs> if i was in charge the first thing i would do is get rid of the central bank get rid of the bank of canada just let the market figure out where interest rates net need to be instead of meddling with the markets and this is exactly what the government and the bank of canada have done and it's not just a recent thing they've been doing it for a long time and that's why we've ended up with so much malinvestment and economy that revolves around credit essentially instead of around producing stuff so i think it's kind of it's madness really what they're doing but they don't allow the markets to actually work and the thing is a lot of people don't even understand how interest rates work they think the bank of canada is the the be all and end all and they set all the rates they only set the overnight lending rate so that's the only part that they control the rest of the interest rate curve is controlled by markets now does them raising that that rate it does affect it but as we're seeing right now with yield curve inversion it doesn't necessarily mean that all the rates on the long end are going to go up. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it would be allowing the market to actually work, but they're never going to do that because it's central planners. So even on the wage growth side, right. As they're coming out and they're saying like, 
don't increase your wages. This is only going to, you know, cause more issues with inflation. You know, they're they're frightening unions. They're they're basically going out there, and they're that's the advice they're giving based on the data that they have in the textbooks that show when inflation gets entrenched mm-hmm. because everyone's wages goes up, it causes further issues. But again, it's not it's not letting the market settle themselves. No, and what happens right? with prices on, on both what, sides? What happens with prices when when prices are dropping and interest rates are climbing and people's wages are dropping or they're disappearing completely or they're going on to like public programs instead of earning a wage like this could spiral pretty pretty in, in, intensely couldn't it well that that's why i say depression and i know that scares a lot of people but that happened in japan they just call it a lost decade but essentially it was really a depression because it lasted for so long and i would really say that that is what a depression is it's when it's gonna last a long length of time and i think this really could with the way things are going right now i mean even the banks right right now or like i just did in my stream i was talking about how they're allowing people to essentially increase their amortizations just add money to their balance. So if you figure that they do that, and let's say a, like a, a really kind of high up estimate, you say that housing prices go down 20% in nominal terms between now and 2025, 2026, all those people, when they come to renew their mortgage, what situation are they going to be in? And then you and then you only have to think like that to realize that this thing could take a very long time to actually take place. Like I think a lot of buyers like to think that this is going to be over real quick and they're just going to be scooping up deals 50% off. But after the global financial crisis, there was really tight money and uh that never that didn't really happen for very long in Canada. They chose to inflate the private sector debt bubble. And uh, and that's what's happened every time. Every time we've had one of these crashes, they've essentially inflated a bubble somewhere else. And essentially now they've inflated bubbles. Absolutely there's nothing everywhere. left. What, yeah. I was at the mall the other day and there's like a, a whole store of used shoes and like re- like it's <laughs> it's crazy what's going on. People are paying crazy amount trading shoes and trading sweaters and like what? Yeah, what's I know where left? I'm going this afternoon. Tulips? Are we back to <laughs> tulips again? <laughs> Yeah, I think that was part of the crypto was a lot. A lot of these tulips, cryptos crypto. were just like tulips. Yeah, they they really had mm. no value or utility and they were purely just trading them because it was the ne- next get rich quick scheme. But this is the type of mentality. And the thing that really scares me about people my age and younger is because they have been they've been pushed so far out on the risk curve to get a return that they're res- prepared to resort to stuff like that. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. They'll they'll go to the riskiest thing in hope that it's the next lotto max. And oh, uh, what about I, the guys I, who not only go to it, but they start YouTube videos and they start pumping it, even though they know selling to other guys saying, like, this is how it's done. Right? Right? <laughs> oh I think actually, God. I think that's the most, that's the most, the single most important thing to the long-term uh, economy is what you just mentioned right there is the the, the mental shift of young people. And what they perceive as being 
the lifestyle that they want to live, how they're going to save their money, how much debt they're going to take on in the future, what type of job should they get, what you know, See what are their changing. expectations on the economy? I think that impacts the economy more than anything else. Because if you get a generation mm -hmm. of people who all want to stay home clicking their mouses and think that they can all earn money in a way that you know is going to be easy and and you know we, we talked about this a lot with like you know people don't want to swing a hammer anymore and all this kind of stuff. Sure. It will eventually there'll be no customers to buy your whatever you're selling servers and products. Right. And that's, and I think yeah. that's the biggest impact. Japan's issue was a aging workforce. It wasn't the necessarily their monetary policy. All those things were all part of it, but it was the aging workforce that left there. There was no longer people to do the jobs that needed to be done to run the economy. And that's the same mm -hmm. threat that we have just in a different way. And I think the government knows that that's why adding immigration is like their, their main solution here is like, how do we bring in more people? Because we're going to have a bunch about of people. GDP, not so much GDP per capita. It's about GDP growth exactly. as a nation, right? Exactly. So if we just yeah. keep throwing more fuel into the fire, more people. Well, Get some more people over here, guys. Yeah, but what happens when, when all of the uh, automation that, like, we see all this technology, and whether it's five years or 10 years or 15 years, depending on the technology, like, we see Amazon is letting off 10,000 people, but they're not letting off any robots, right? And they're going <laughs> to... No, but seriously, right? Yeah. I'll yeah, bet you they bought more point. robots as they laid off people is probably they're the, sticking the to reality, their plan with the robots right? for sure. Yeah. No, but the, and the same thing goes for like, what about Elon Musk, where he says, um, if we have useful robots that can do certain tasks on mass, then GDP, forget about GDP per capita, like GDP becomes this exponential number or growth. So what do things look like then? And how far off is that? Because like the first Tesla semis are getting delivered to Pepsi like next month, right? And we're going to start mm -hmm. seeing trucks on the road. Well, more, there's already some on the road, but we're going to start seeing more trucks on the road uh, that don't have drivers on them, right? And mm -hmm you know, we're going to start seeing more and more and more of that. We're going to see less and less driving positions. And I mean, we got us. I mean, we all look at the three of us. I mean, we're on YouTube for God's sakes. Right. And we're not making young, big bucks. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter the amount it, we see the potential of this thing. Right. And if you definitely put all of your, your all into this, you can make a good living. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially if you take mm -hmm. advantage of opportunities that come up other than ad revenue. But you, like, like I think the world is shifting and kids right now, like, I mean, I have two kids. They think very differently than I did. And I mean, I thought differently than my parents. So like, are is it kind of reshaping itself as we speak or is the old tribe like still hanging on for dear life and trying to squeeze every last drop out of this lemon that <laughs> they're about to hand over to, I guess, my generation, right? And some of your mm -hmm. generation. I think you got um, a long-term growth plan, right? But I think in the in the in the short term, so everything's deflationary, right? And so all these all these forces are going to work together that you're talking about in order to be able to get us to where we need to go. And hopefully one day the cost of living will be much more affordable, and maybe not the pr the prices won't be lower than they are today, but the ability for people to earn income will be higher, and that they'll be able to to pay those type of prices, right? Different financing That's tools. What did you say about tools, Luke? <laughs> yeah, just another word for powers, <laughs> right? But more yeah. financial powers for people to extend, because that's all we've seen, right? Wages flattened and prices went crazy and everybody's driving a Mercedes. 
right? So, so what happened? Like some creative financing all across the board, right? We've got wolf ranges and Mercedes in the driveways and $2 million houses. And, you know, maybe we don't have a job in three months. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? no, exactly. No, but those are guys that are working in Amazon warehouses making 25 bucks an hour in somehow in these crazy million dollar houses with Mercedes living the life. And what if they get fired next week because they're laying off humans and they need they or they figured out a way to replace you with a robot now? Yeah, yeah, it's so what? true. And I think I I think like a lot of that growth has come from home equity. Like a right. lot of people are able of to af- yeah, they're allowed to well, they're able to afford this lifestyle through using their house as an ATM. I mean, if you tell that to people in Europe, they they would be like, what? You can just extract home equity from your house. And yeah, that's pretty much what they allow in Canada. Aren't they and more like people... you own a house? Like don't they <laughs> rent for the most part? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is like the the wage growth has really been it's been negative for a long time. Like we talk about the government CPI or CP lie, as I like to call it, because it is really a lie. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, yeah, it's just not, it's just not real. So if you look at the past and shadow stats is a great um, place that you can go to and just look, it's for the U S but you can also use it because Canada has essentially followed the same path with the CPI. So you can look at that and look at it, how inflation sits right now, if it was measured in the 1990s index or the 1980s index. Or just go to the store. (laughs) Well, what it is, is it's like, go buy something. It's giving you insight into how the CPI has been changed, how the measuring of the CPI has been changed. And so it's giving you the um, uh, formula from the 80s and 90s. So how does it compare? So how does today's cpi compared to back then obviously if we, if we used old the old way of measuring it would be much higher than it is today different things in the basket now yeah well one of the biggest things that they changed was owner's equivalent rent and owner's equivalents owner's equivalent rent is a big thing that also lags as well to and it and it takes time to show so we're we're only going to see like rents coming down take effect in the cpi like six months afterwards but that was one of the biggest changes, and I think they made that change in the early 2000s, both the US and Canada at the same time. I found a fantastic website ages ago, and I lost it, and I've been trying to find it. If anybody finds it, please let me know. What but is it? it basically showed every single thing that they've changed from the 70s. Oh, so I wonder why that disappeared. Yeah. Weird that you can't find that again. It's no longer around anymore. Maybe it's in one of those buckets you were talking about yesterday, TK, from those people, the hoarders that were taking screenshots off the internet for things that they thought might disappear. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Crazy. Um, So how are things right now in Calgary, Luke? Are you in Calgary? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Calgary right now, unfortunately. Although not for not for much longer. Oil's booming right now. People must be Lamborghinis and Ferraris and F50s with 20 inch spinners going up and down the street. Trying to figure out where they're gonna leave that man the keys. Well, yeah, you would think it would be like that, wouldn't you? And it should be like like that. We should we should be having a boom, but there is no boom to be seen, really. And, you know, Calgary was one of the places that got very distorted because 
if you look at where the stimulus money went, it went to those places which had the highest unemployment, the most distressed businesses. And a lot of those were in Alberta. And Toronto, believe it or not, was also a big recipient. It had a major, majorly high unemployment rate. And still that's starting to tick up in Toronto, even though the overall Canada unemployment rate is coming down ever so slightly, sometimes going up. Toronto has been consistently moving upwards since around January when you look at Statistics Canada. So the Calgary market has been kind of a weird market this year. It's certainly prices came down, I think, around 15, 20 percent off the highs of February, March. And I was monitoring the market to a T during that time. I haven't been monitoring it so much over the past month or so because it's just kind of I mean, things have kind of we're in that denial phase where things are just kind of flatlining, like prices aren't going anywhere. Is that where you think we are on that down. chart of that chart you posted? Is that are we yeah, is, yeah. are we in the, the denial? Wall Street? Are we uh, in the magic uh... the bull the bull trap? The bull trap? <laughs> there's def- there's yeah. definitely a lot of activity right now we? compared to three months ago. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And and that's bound to happen because you'll have people who are just waiting for some type of deal and they've still got that fear of missing out. They've still got that FOMO. Maybe they couldn't even afford to buy last year or whatever. And now they're thinking, well, well, actually, with interest rates, they still can't afford to buy. So it's uh, but yeah, you're bound to see that bull trap come at some point. And that could either be where prices just stagnate and you just have activity rise a little bit or prices rise a little bit and then it comes down. But I think it, like to to answer a question you haven't asked, but you're probably thinking about asking capitulation, what would cause that, which is really that really that fear in the market is going to be when the job losses come when the unemployment hits, because that's when it's it's any time that people are forced onto the market and they have to sell, they have to sell. Right <laughs> now, people are sort of, they don't need they, to sell. They, like, they exist. I'll, t- I'll tell you first. Hanging on. They, they exist. There's just enough buyers out right now Toronto. to still bail them out. Barely. <laughs> yeah. And, and I bet <clears throat> they do in Toronto and in Calgary, not so much because the overall price levels are lower and the amount of speculation has been lower. Although having said that, like Airbnb in Q3, for example, 25% increase in Airbnb inventory in Q3 of this year. If you go on Air DNA, you can look what, at what do you read into that? What, but what's the vacancy rate on Airbnbs? Well, it's actually coming down now. So it's because of all that new inventory or because of demand or both. It's it's hard to say because I don't pay for their full statistics because, man, it is really expensive. It's something like 200 bucks a month. But you get access to most of their statistics. And I would put it up if you can for this video. But it's it's really insane. The 25% increase in inventory, that could be a lot of people who bought rental properties and are now like, well, I can't afford to rent them out at this low rate. Long so term. now I have to go at Airbnb. But the problem yeah. is like Airbnb is going to absolutely, I mean, during a recession, that is the first thing that people cut is going yeah. on vacation. 
And it was never really a big boom in Calgary anyway, because it was very seasonal Airbnb. A lot of people come in the winter. uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the summer, sorry, and they go to Banff. And people who go skiing, they don't really stay in Calgary City. They stay outside of the city, closer to the mountains. So it's a real seasonal market. So things usually come down a lot in the winter. But if you look historically, like the vacancy rates are coming down a lot right now. So so I'm seeing like the the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now, which has just been insane. And it's impossible to say whether this is a trend or not, because it's too early. It's only been happening for about four or five weeks, is the amount of rental inventory coming online. Like it has just gone parabolic and it's all single family homes. And that is mainly because single family homes are the most common type of residence here in Calgary. I'm not sure if that's the same in Toronto, um, but that is what yep. we're seeing. It's a 66% lot of six percent or something like that is single family. Yeah. Oh, right. So it's, it's still a huge percentage there, too. But it's a lot of the people who can't sell their house. I'm getting like 20 to 30 listings a day, new listings, which is just a lot of them are probably for lease and for sale. But I would well, read yeah. into, I, I would read into that is that people are I'll take either right now. <clears throat> just like Airbnb inventory up and rental inventory up is that people are either not able to just keep their second homes or vacation homes empty that they want to they want to rent them. Um, that yeah. people that people need the money so that they're they're saying how do I create more income out of my assets right Airbnb people mm-hmm. can rent out part of their own homes right so maybe they're they're saying hey I need to post a listing because I need to earn some extra income and when I'm away for the weekends at my girlfriend's house I'll rent out my place for Airbnb so yeah I think an increase in rental listings Basement. would show yeah uh, less confidence or people that are that are struggling financially. But the 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 thing I've noticed is just the prices are just coming down so fast. I've never seen anything like this, and we're just gonna have to wait. Rental I prices, don't really want... yeah. Rental prices yeah. are just tanking. Where is this in Calgary? <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. in, in Calgary right now, and Calgary had like rents came up quite a bit, but they, are, I mean, I cannot believe the rates they're coming down right now. So we'll see about that. They we've could see, be we've seen them level. We've seen them level in Toronto. I wouldn't say they've come down. They were spiking a lot in the summer. Level at so we a were, crazy it was like a 20% level, increase though. in two months. Crazy. And so now we're starting to see them come back to maybe where they should be kind of thing. So I, I wouldn't say we have the data on like rental prices are down yet. In fact, they still show that they're higher than ever. But I'm definitely seeing less demand in the rental space based on how many listings I'm seeing. And, and, and you know, the fact that those prices just didn't seem too sustainable when I was hearing about them in the first place. So do let you me... see a lot of people converting from like selling to renting? Yeah, oh, I, for I sure. mean, you know, de- definitely. Yeah, the, the numbers have shown that for sure, and that's that's uh, that like... denial. That's that denial that I'm hang on, about. hang I, on, yeah, hang on. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, and that's and that's it. The first, the first reaction is, is I don't need to sell. I don't need the money, and I'm not in a rush. I'm just going to rent it out because I feel like the market's going to be better in the future. That's yeah. it. That's the wait, feeling that they've what, got. Yeah. That's the emotion that they. Where? Got, right? What point in the <laughs> Here, future? Check out Market Mania channel. You need to go there and see <laughs> what the reality is. <laughs> Sell your house today. <laughs> Everyone's got yeah. a different take on. Everyone's got a different story, and we don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, all the things that you it's say, Luke, true. they're all well. Like you know, you have facts. You're bringing information. It's the truth. It's just the one variable is the government's reaction to all these different scenarios. Or the what? Power. Cra- 
to be able to just sway the markets the way they want. If they decide to lower interest rates again next year because they feel that employment, uh, unemployment is creeping up, that inflation is coming down, that yeah. whatever tool they want to use to measure their, their uh, reasoning with, they're going to be able to justify bringing rates down again. And that's going to be pushing the buck down the road or kicking the can down the road a little bit further. That's sure. what I, I just can't see them not just reinflating the thing again at some point sooner than later. Like I just, I can't. And even though I agree with everything Luke says, I mean, I've been like, I've been listening to Robert Kiyosaki and I've been listening to Peter Schiff and I've been like following all these guys for years and years and agreeing that this is, like when I when I lost everything in 2009, like back then I was listening to some pretty dark stuff and I knew what was coming and I was trying to beat it. And it was like you, you couldn't outrun it. And I think maybe I, I don't know if that's happening now or if it's not, because that only lasted like 10 months here. Right. If you were able to hang on for 10 months, 2009, like if you weren't super subprime like I was and super overextended, like. If you waited 10 months, your house was worth even more, right? Mm -hmm. Liquidity dried up. Now you could still borrow money. If you're willing to pay 6% or 5.5% or whatever, some people are paying 12% now probably, but like the money's there. 2008, 2009, there was no money to be found. Even if you were paying 25%, like everything just dried up. So I wonder if it's going to be more like the late 80s because I don't know what the hell that felt like. I just know that this does not feel like 2008, 2009 at all. Totally, well, that totally took different a long from 2008. Time. Yeah. Well, for a while, everybody was like, is this going to be like 2008, 2009? And that was like the worst case scenario. And then it shifted to like maybe the 20s, like 29. The, the type of loans that they were giving in the States on those mortgages were absolutely insane. Like, Aren't they like the ones we're giving here? No, I, I, we were giving some similar <laughs> loans back then, but the, those type of loans, the people who are getting those type of mortgages where you know their rate would go up after six months and their payments would double, or they would be like their amortizations were done in a way where they were never paying off any equity, or they were you know the ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets, like all those type of things that were happening down in the states haven't been happening since then. So you know to have like a serious calamity like like that <laughs> like that if if it does if it does happen if those same price decreases do happen so let's just say because that was what 50 percent correction in that market if it does happen it's not because the people who got who have the mortgages today weren't qualified at the time they got the loan they were qualified they could make those payments just now their situations changed now they've lost their job. Now the interest rate to carry the debt is more. Now they don't have the same resources to be able to pay those same payments. And that's why this would happen. Not because they should have never been put in that situation. We had a stress test. We had a lot of qualified people getting loans. It's just they were they shouldn't have been asking for that much debt in the first place because they weren't looking down the road as, well, what if my situation changed? And that's the people I'm dealing with. I'm, I'm, they're they're mm -hmm. saying they were speculating on how the market would change. Like they knew that that, you know, they were going to get the money and they were qualified, but they were like, eh, I didn't really understand that if the market didn't go the way that I wanted to, especially with these assignments, man. Luke, these assignments right now, you get a call about an assignment and I'm just like, I have like a checklist of questions that I ask. And if any one right. of those questions are not answered the same way that I need them to be answered, I can't help that person because there's just so many people who are like, like I bought it three months ago and now I want to assign it. It's like or buying like, a futures of NFTs, <clears throat> a condo. And, and I'm, I'm just like, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, 
it, that's insane. They're essentially trading housing contracts. And that just shows the level of insanity that people have got to within the housing market. I mean, the housing market's been totally financialized in Canada. And I think um, bringing it back to like 2008, 2009, and what was different then versus now is really like you've got bubbles in every sector. So I, I would agree with you. I think rates will be coming down towards the end of next year, probably Q4 next year. That's if something doesn't break in the meantime. But usually a breakage is as the result of something happening, like defaults absolutely skyrocketing. And then the banks have to deal with the 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 defaults that they have. They just can't like say, oh, I'm not dealing with it. And then they don't want to lend anymore. So people have to realize like in 2008, 2009 in the UK, for example, that's where I was. And the UK was in a totally different situation to Canada. Um, and even in like 2012, so you're talking four years after the GFC, it was still very, very difficult to get a loan. Banks did not want to give you a loan and interest rates were still low. They had not increased. In fact, the Bank of England held the rates extremely low for the longest and the banks just did not want to lend. And I can very much see sort of sort of similar scenario playing out in Canada where rates do come down, but the willingness to lend just isn't there. We we head into a tight money environment and really, it could be as a result of financial institutions just uh, losing their confidence in institutions like the Bank of Canada. I mean, you two and me, we we all we all don't have confidence in the Bank of Canada. But you, it wouldn't be, like it just I can't believe that these financial institutions, they do have confidence in the Bank of Canada. Like they think, oh, yeah, they'll increase interest rates bring down inflation um but they don't talk about all the consequences to their business and they don't acknowledge the fact that the probability of a recession is absolutely exploded and what are they doing about it and the banking regulators don't seem to care either and everybody's just like ah yeah just let them raise rates but we're not we're not even going to think about preparing for what happens in the future i mean hilliard macbeth great guy, great book. He was tweeting out, I think it was about six months ago, when the banks had earnings, it was in the summer. And they were essentially the, the amount of the pots of money that they have set aside to handle loan losses, they were just taking some of that money and putting it into their earnings to make it look like their earnings were better just moving money around on their balance sheet to make it look like they're doing better than they actually are. And that's part of what they're doing right now with letting people just essentially take on more debt is it it makes it look like they're expanding credit still, which is great. And they can put out all these projections saying, oh, we're going to make all this interest rate money. But the reality is, no, they're not. And I think these people must be smart enough, but maybe they're not. They must be smart enough to realize the damage that they're doing. It must just be the fact that they don't care because the reality is they just think short term, like, I want my bonus at the end of this year, I want my big fat bonus. And uh, I, I just I just think there's a total lack of accountability within the financial system and within government that has created this just mania that we had. 
And the thing is, think about it. Let's play it out even that let's say they brought interest rates down and they were able to inflate this thing even further. Well, how long did that last in 2020? And how much money did that take? So is that going to look like a fun ride? It's not. The amount of money that they need to produce or credit they need to extend in order to keep this thing going keeps rising. Yeah. And 2020, they had the excuse of the pandemic. That was the thing. They, they could use that as the excuse to go absolutely bananas, which they did. But if, if they're going to do this in the future, they're not going to be able to do do that crazy amount of money i mean maybe they will but at what consequence is that gonna have to things like inflation and i think you do have to sort of safeguard yourself against that it's part of the reason that i own gold and silver i don't own that as any sort of investment i own that as insurance against the central bank and the government's just stupidity and recklessness that's why i own that because if they go and do that then quite frankly, that is what you will see. And that's what we saw in 2020, even though gold's come down a lot, that's as a result of the strengthening dollar, really. But it's still higher than it was in 2020. So it still protected you. And as assets go, it has still held up the strongest this year compared to most other asset classes out there. So I think that's, that's, that's why I have faith in that just for insurance against this stupidity, because I think to your point, it could happen that way. Um, like we could see them go mad. I, th I think there's a lot of stuff there. Just sorry, just one, one correction. I, I think, I, I really do think that the Bank of Canada are best suited for the job. I think it's a tough job. I think it's a very mm -hmm. difficult job. You might think they shouldn't exist. I do think that they should exist. I think they can't, politicians in the Bank of Canada can't be the same. You have to have somebody who's got at least a little, like who's got no political um, um, threats that they could, that they could like, be voted out next term. Like I understand how it works and that they still are playing favorites to be able to keep their positions and their pensions and all that kind of stuff too. That's, that's always going to be there. And I, and I agree. I, I think that it's a very difficult job. And I think that there's too many, it's an incentivized market one way or another. And I think that the bank of Canada's job they are the best suited for it. I don't agree with everything they did, but I also understand that they know more than me and that they definitely know more than most people, right? And it's just, they're, they're playing the role the best they can. Um, but everything else though, I agree with what you're saying. I, I, I want to end on this note. I want to ask your opinion on um, why and was it the right move, the last rate hike, like 50 bips when... I mean, they're saying there needs to be more pain and they have the foot on the gas. What, 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 what is the 50 bips supposed to have signified? What did it signify? And like, what's next on December? Well, what is it? Seven? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to speculate once they start reducing probably another 50 basis points, but I'm 50, 50 on that. I don't really know what they'll do. Could be 25 even. Surprise. But the thing is, the Bank of Canada monitors the yield curve, believe it or not. So what I was talking about earlier with the yield curve, they do look at that. They try and control it. And they also look at that. And they know that during times where the yield curve has inverted massively, especially the two-month over the 10-year, 
that signals big problems in the financial system. It's, it's a sign of liquidity issues. So essentially, they are looking at the yield curve and probably thinking, hmm, some, something bad could be coming. Um, and that's probably ease off on the gas. Just, yeah, that's probably why they eased off. I mean, it's funny because the Fed was asked about the same the same measure, which the Bank of Canada uses too, the two month tenure. And they were just they just kind of brushed it off, even though like eight months earlier, they were saying, we really look at the two month tenure. Right. So, <laughs> it's just like so they do they do look at these things. And I think they're also looking at what's happening with unemployment. Like we're starting to see jobs lost as well. And they're thinking, well, that'll eventually have an effect. And they also know that there is a lag in the effect of these rate hikes. Like, I mean, even if they increase interest rates immediately to 4%, like it do, it takes a while for that to hit people's balance sheets of them paying that interest. And then they're like, oh man, yeah, this is really starting to hurt us. We got to think about laying people off. And um, yeah, I mean, going into the future, like Canada's business sector, especially is so far in debt at these high rates, it just cannot be sustained. And really people, and really it's that tight money thing that will turn the tables on people because I think that could really happen when you see that. And it could not, it, it might not even be anything to do with the housing market. And I don't think people really understand that. It could be corporate defaults. It could be commercial. There's more to the economy than the Canadian housing market. <laughs> Only 60%. Only 60%. Okay. Listen, 40% is so fucking entrenched. It's insane. I mean, imagine yeah. how many people want to prop the thing up. If 40% of the economy is reliant upon it. And I mean, yeah. go to a party or go to go even into any conversation and like how many p people are not part of the, the real estate industry somehow or commenting mm -hmm. on it. Right. So, so, so yeah. like maybe 40% is even low. Well, yeah. I mean, if you take into account like all the credit industry jobs as well, Everything. I mean, think about that. Like, it's mm -hmm. a lot. It's Everybody's a lot, in real especially... estate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't Where matter what another. you do. You're in real estate. Yeah. You own it. You live in it. It's over you your head. It. It's You're under your, your feet. It's around you. Your friends own it. Your parents, you're going to inherit it from them. You you want to buy it one day. You're in real estate, right? So everyone cares, right? Luke, yeah. um, we, we're, we're happy to have tough. you back uh, yeah. again today. This has been a great, great show. If you're still listening, like, comment, and subscribe. Check out Luke's channel. Lots of good info if you like what he had to say today. Um, shameless plug, Luke. Where, where can people find you? What's the best place to find you? Uh, just Market Mania. Throw it into YouTube search. You'll find me. You're on Twitter as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. Market Mania CA on Twitter. Um, on pretty much every platform now. Even on YouTube. Are you on TikTok? Are you YouTube on TikTok? Yeah, yeah. I that's the, the that's is the that place why you to just exploded? Is that why you just exploded? No, TikTok is the I, place to grow. I heard. What the hell happened? I, I, All of a sudden, you're wearing a tie and you have like a billion subs. <laughs> TK, we got to put on ties, man. We got to be on TikTok. What the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, that's it. I, I don't have many people on TikTok at all. <laughs> right? Okay, you got to start dancing on TikTok, man. Okay, I'm in. Thanks, cool. thanks, Luke. We appreciate it. We'll get you back on in the future. Thank we'll see guys. how all this stuff Market plays Mania. out. Yeah.
Yes. For sure. We'll see in another eight months how right you were again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.